Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Whether you are in the room live, watching live online, later on demand, or listening to our podcast, our prayer is for you to experience the life-changing power of God in your life today. I'm Chris Voigt, and I lead the team here at Dayspring. That team is made up of people committed to helping you grow. People grow here because our team loves to challenge, encourage, and equip people to become more like Jesus. If this is your first time visiting Dayspring, we want you to know that this is the kind of church where you get to be you. We're just like you, imperfect people on a journey. We're allowing Jesus to make something beautiful out of our broken and often messy lives, learning to live like him, a little more today than yesterday, a little more tomorrow than today. Even if you aren't sure that you're ready to be on that journey with us, maybe you are skeptical about the claims of Jesus or skeptical of his followers. Well, this is still a great place, a safe place to explore and ask questions as you look for answers. We're asking those same questions and looking for answers too. So I think we can be pretty good company on your journey. So welcome. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church by checking out our Facebook page or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find a discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. And now, let's join our service. If you are a guest with us this weekend, you've joined us at the end of a series we've called Beautiful Surrender, The Blessing of a Psalm 23 Life. Uh, since you're smart people, you can probably put two and two together and figure out that we've been studying Psalm 23, the most famous song of the poet King David, the second king of Israel. This particular song is of David's is most famous for verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death a verse that has brought comfort to millions and millions of people grieving the loss of loved ones or struggling through challenging seasons. And while David would be happy that this verse brought comfort to the hurting, he didn't plan on this poem becoming a mainstay at funerals. It's actually a psalm that describes the blessing that comes to one whose life is fully surrendered to God in every season. Before we go on, let's read through the psalm together as we've been doing each week. If you're in the room with me, please stand. Those of you watching online don't have to stand, but why don't you join us out loud as well? If you're listening to our podcast later and don't have the words, you can do what singers do when they forget the words and just say watermelon. It's, that's true. Well, let's get our heads into the rhythm of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, 
and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. Please be seated. Uh, so far, to my count, four people have taken me up on uh, the free drink at the coffee shop for memorizing this verse. So congratulations to you four uh, that, that did that. One is my mom, so at least tonight, it's nice to know that my mom, you know, pays attention. The, the blessing David is celebrating is found in verse 1. This is the key verse to understanding everything else that follows. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I lack nothing. I have been satisfied. And I am content. Now, on the surface, that might not seem like all that great a blessing, but think that through. Because I am actively and intentionally seeking to become like Jesus, my heart is connected to his. I know that I am deeply loved and, tre and treasured, and I know he is good. I know that he is for me, not against me, that he has chosen me. I am his. Because of that connection, I know that I can trust him. That trust is the foundation for my contentment. I trust him, so I know that I have all that I need. If I don't have it, I must not need it. I don't have to worry about anything. There's no need for fear. I don't have to strive to try to make things happen. He's leading me on this journey, and he'll get me wherever I'm supposed to be. I can trust his perfect work in my life in my circumstances, and in the lives and circumstances of the people I love. And because he is leading, that's what it means when we say we are fully surrendered or fully surrendering, since none of us is perfectly surrendered or even perfectly surrendering. But because he is leading, we know that he will provide for all of our physical, spiritual, emotional, and relational needs. We lack nothing. And as we've learned in the rest of this psalm, David uses the annual circuit he would take his sheep uh, to demonstrate how the blessing of contentment looks in the rhythm of our everyday life and circumstances practically. In verse 2, we learn that the blessing of contentment allows us to rest. It always leads to rest. And contentment always leads to peace. It is true that that blessing doesn't mean that we'll have a problem-free life, a challenge-free life. We will experience valleys in our circumstances. Fully surrendered Christ followers still get cancer. They still have bosses who are jerks. They still get fired. They still have kids who run off the rails. Fully surrendered Christ followers still have money problems, relational problems, you name it. We still experience valleys in our circumstances. Now, the blessing isn't that we won't walk through valleys. The blessing is that we won't walk through those valleys alone. We won't have to stumble around in the dark. He leads us through those valleys. And even more, we walk through those valleys on purpose. Those valleys are God's best plan to make us more like Jesus. And as hard as they might seem, they are the gentlest way to get us to the mountain. Imagine having to scale a cliff every time God wanted to do something new in your life or take you to the next level, which is where we left off last week. David led us through the valley to the next level, the table lands used for summer grazing, a table that has been carefully prepared for us. 
where our good shepherd watches over us, keeping us safe from our enemies. We've got a verse and a half left. Let's pick it up with the end of verse 5. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. I love summer. I love the sunshine. I love being outside as much as I can be in the summer. But there is one thing I don't like about summer. The bugs. Summer is bug season. And for sheep, enjoying life in the cooler tablelands, safe and secure in the presence of the shepherd, there is, suddenly there is a fly in the ointment. Summertime is fly time. Flies and hordes of other insects that emerge in the warm summer weather. As Philip Keller notes, there are warble flies, bot flies, heel flies, nose or nasal flies, deer flies, black flies, mosquitoes, gnats, and other winged parasites. Keller writes, sheep are especially troubled by the nose fly or nasal fly as it is sometimes called. Uh, these little flies buzz about the sheep's head attempting to deposit their eggs on the damp mucous membrane of the sheep's nose. If they are successful, I hope you've not eaten breakfast recently. If they are successful, the eggs will hatch in a few days to form small slender worm-like larvae. They work their way up into the nasal passage, into the sheep's head. They burrow into the flesh and they're set up an intense irritation accompanied by severe inflammation. Sounds fun, doesn't it? Sign me up. For relief, sheep will often butt their heads against trees, rocks, posts, or brush, trying to find relief. In extreme cases, a sheep may even kill itself trying to find relief from the aggravation. Advanced stages of the infection can lead to blindness. It kind of sounds like the warning they put on those drug ads, doesn't it? Don't use nasal flies unless prescribed by your doctor. Don't use nasal flies if you're pregnant or thinking about becoming pregnant. Don't use nasal flies if you're allergic to nasal flies. In extreme cases, nasal flies can cause death. I worked on that one for a while. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> because of this, because of this, when nose flies appear and begin to hover over the flock, some sheep can become frantic and panic as they try to escape. They'll stamp their feet and race back and forth, eventually dropping from exhaustion. Some sheep will toss their heads up and down for hours. All of this excitement can be devastating for the flock. Ewes and lambs will begin to lose weight. The ewes will stop milking and the lambs will stop growing as they should be. In their panic, some sheep will be injured. The ancient remedy uh, for, or really the protection from nasal fly ick, was a mixture of linseed oil, sulfur, and tar. The shepherd would smear the mixture over the sheep's nose and head, not just once, but once and again as needed through the throughout the summer. Once treated by the shepherd, there was an immediate change in the behavior of the sheep. All of the agitation and restlessness was replaced by peaceful contentment and healthy eating. How many times have we had a fly in our ointment? A pesky irritation that left alone leads to incredible frustration. We all have those people or situations in our lives that bug us on the low end of the irritation scale and bring out the worst in us on the high end of the irritation scale. If we're not careful, those people or circumstances can overwhelm our minds, running on an endless loop as we stew over them. Just as with sheep, 
we need a continual anointing of the Holy Spirit as he releases grace in and through us. In his New Testament letter, the Apostle Paul writes that love covers a multitude of sins. That is, love poured out through the grace of the Holy Spirit. That kind of love overcomes the fly in our ointment. But that's not all, folks. As if nasal fly larvae weren't bad enough for sheep, summertime is also scab time. Scab is an irritating, highly contagious disease caused by a minute microscopic parasite. It quickly spreads through the flocks by direct contact between infected and uninfected animals. Sheep love to rub their heads together affectionately. So scab is most commonly found around the head. In Bible times, when it was declared that sacrificial lambs should be without blemish, this is what they thought of first, being free from scab. In a sense, scab represents the, can, the contamination of sin and evil. Uh, like the remedy for nasal flies, scab is remedied with a mixture of olive oil, sulfur, and spices. In many countries, the, sheep, the shepherd prepares a dip and all of the sheep are completely submerged in the dip. This gives me a new insight into one of my favorite Far Side cartoons by Gary Larson. Uh, at a party of wolves, two wolves are dunking sheep in a dip, and one says, well, I'm addicted. Have you tried Carol's new sheep dip? <laughs> Just a small insight into my sense of humor. Uh, the most difficult part of the process is the head. It has to be plunged repeatedly to make sure that it is scab-free. So some shepherds treat the head by hand. For most of us, our contamination comes from the world. Sin is the disease that most often contaminates us. We have been embedded in a culture that works tirelessly to indoctrinate us into thoughts and actions that aren't consistent with our calling. Often, our thoughts are tainted and we don't even recognize it. Our remedy is to dip our minds into, as the Apostle Paul would say, to fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Only the Holy Spirit can purge us of our contamination, and this is how we reconnect with His presence when we are dare I say, scabby. Uh, there is one more anointing of sorts when it comes to sheep. As summer begins to turn into fall, it becomes mating season, which can bring out the worst in the rams of the flock as they battle for ewes. A battle that involves a bit of posturing and headbutting or even killing, that may end up injuring or even killing the rams. So the shepherd will anoint the heads of the rams with grease. Then when they are colliding, the oil slick causes them to glance off each other, leaving them feeling a little stupid and frustrated. It dissipates the tension. Kind of sounds similar to the way we treat each other sometimes. We're pretty good at getting stiff-necked and self-righteous, demanding our own way. We can be uh, intolerant, dogmatic, and uncharitable toward each other. So our shepherd loves to apply the ointment of the Holy Spirit to our lives. 
The Holy Spirit brings love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All characteristics that tend to put self-focused pettiness, jealousy, and absurdities in their proper place. Now, as we close out this verse, we're left with, my cup overflows with blessings. Sheep require between one to three gallons of water per day, which requires a lot of work from the shepherd on the tablelands. In biblical times, they would have to dig wells by hand using crude shovels and picks. They fitted stones for the covering and had to protect the wells because water sources were often the source of conflicts between rival shepherds. When watering time came, the shepherd would lower a bucket into the well and fill, fill the troughs with water. It was a lot of work. Not that the sheep recognized that. They were just happy when their troughs overflowed. Robert Morgan writes, in Psalm 23, David was saying, God's blessings have been poured out into my life so greatly that they overflow. I can't contain them all. I can't absorb all of the mercy and goodness he has given me. The life of a fully surrendered Christ follower is one of overflow. We work and serve him from the overflow of our walk with him. Whenever we get that backward, we tend to drain our trough, so to speak, and we get ourselves into trouble. That's when we experience burnout and soul weariness. Jesus promised us water from a well that will never run dry. In John 4.14, he says, uh, but those who drink from the water uh, that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And a few chapters later in John chapter 7, he says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of water will flow from his heart. The Holy Spirit is the source of living water that flows in and through us. A fully surrendered life stays focused on that connection and everything else comes from the overflow of his work in us. The Apostle Paul put it this way in his letter to the Roman church. He writes, I pray that God... The source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. As the sheep begin their long trek home for the winter, sometimes unexpected blizzards blow up suddenly on the hills. And it is then that a shepherd might come to the rescue as he shares a few spoonfuls from a cup of wine with a lamb or ewe chilled from exposure. In a matter of minutes, the chilled creature could be back on its feet with renewed energy. Jesus, too, shares from the cup of his suffering. His blood poured out from his overflowing cup for us. And no matter what storms we face, his life and strength are poured into ours, overflowing with blessing when we need it most. Leaving us with verse 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Most of us are familiar with Moses. Uh, he was the prophet assigned to escort the people of Israel from captivity in Egypt to freedom in the promised land. Uh, early on in their journey, they had come to the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, and it was there that God transformed them from a family into a nation. 
Moses went up the mountain where God downloaded what was required to be the people of God. We call that the law of Moses. Well, it took longer than the people expected, so they convinced Aaron, Moses' brother, to build a golden calf for them to worship. Apparently, the cloud during the day and the pillar of fire at night weren't enough, which angered God, so much so that he was ready to smite them all and start over with Moses. But Moses stood in the gap for them. And God, who had been on this journey with them so far, decided that he would, as a protection for them, assign an angel to take them the rest of the way to the promised land. In Exodus chapter 33, he tells Moses, go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. Um, so Moses updates the, the people on the situation, and they go into mourning, but they don't go anywhere else. They just stay there at the base of the mountain of God. And beginning in uh, Exodus 33, verse 7, we see that it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrance of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. And get this. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Now, picture how incredible this must have been. God speaks to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. We know from other parts of this story that when Moses would return from a conversation with God, his face would glow. He would carry some residual glory of God on his person. And that residual glow was so fantastic that the people of God asked Moses to wear a veil. Even that much of God was too much for them. So this happens day after day. God meets with his friend Moses. And one day Moses says to God, hey, you want me to lead your people to the promised land, but you're not planning on taking the journey with me, and you also haven't told me who you're sending to take your place. That doesn't really work for me. If you think so highly of me as you yourself have said, then what's up? And by the way, don't forget, these are your people, not mine. So God relents and agrees to continue on the journey with them. In fact, he says, in verse 17, the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked for. I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. So Moses is on a roll now. He might as well shoot for the moon. So Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. Okay, wait a minute. We just read that God would come down and meet with Moses face to face as with a friend. There, his presence was so profound that Moses needed to veil his face so that he wouldn't overwhelm anyone else. You mean there's another level? 
Apparently so. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out your, my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. God's glorious presence, which he describes as his goodness, is so fantastic that Moses, the man who sees what must only be an inkling of it every day and comes away glowing, can only look at it from behind after it has passed him by. Uh, the word goodness doesn't do justice to the richness of what it means in Hebrew. In, in Hebrew, in its broadest sense, it is the very best of God. It conveys the perfection and benevolence of everything physical, moral, practical, economic, spiritual, emotional, and God's eternal grace toward us. It is one of the characteristics of God. Just as God is love, so God is good. So when David writes, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, that's what he means. In the old King James, it's translated, surely goodness and mercy will, shall follow me. But the word follow isn't the best translation of the Hebrew text. God's goodness pursues, as we see here in the New Living Translation, or even better, chases me. God's goodness chases me. You know, we started this journey with he leads me. Then he guides me. Then he is close beside me. But as we head home from the tablelands, he chases me. I know where I'm headed. I'm headed home. And God's goodness chases me. Maybe plays a little tag along the way. God's goodness races me to the finish line. The promise of God's goodness shows up all over Scripture. Psalm 34.10 says, Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Psalm 84.11 adds, For the Lord God is our sun and shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. In the New Testament, Jesus himself says, So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? James, the half-brother of Jesus, tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God our Father. Paul says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. God is good. And that goodness chases the fully surrendered life. 
And before you get down on yourself, remember that God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows that you're a work in progress. He doesn't withhold blessing from those who are surrendering, however imperfect their progress might be. But the more you become like Jesus, the more that blessing is multiplied. It just gets bigger and better. But remember, that doesn't mean you won't ever struggle. It doesn't mean you won't have valleys. It doesn't mean you will always be healthy, that you will always have enough money in your bank account, or you won't worry about your kids or their future or your own for that matter. On this side of heaven, there will always be a valley leading us to the next tableland. There will always be another opportunity to rest while you wait, another opportunity for peace instead of worry, another opportunity to trust instead of fear. There will always be another opportunity to look for the light of his goodness in the darkest of valleys. We need those moments. Without valleys, there is no mountaintop. And the blessing of the mountaintops far outweighs the challenge of the valley. Now it's here in verse 6 that we find the first promise for the future. If you've been here the entire series, then you know that this is a psalm of blessing for today, for this moment. But here in verse 6, we see a promise for the future. Surely, goodness and unfailing love shall follow me. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need for today. I am content today. And that goodness will keep coming after me all the days of my life with no blackout dates, all of the days of my life until I dwell in the house of the Lord forever and can finally see him face to face. And until then, I should leave traces of his goodness and unfailing love behind me. Just as they flow to me, they should flow through me. The house of the Lord is the place of God's presence. It is the place where his throne resides, where he rules from. David is saying, I will live in the presence of the Lord forever. God's goodness will chase me to my new home. One last thing about sheep. Early on, we, we discovered that sheep left to forage on their own will destroy the ground that feeds them. They'll eat down to the roots, almost to the point of no return. Mismanaged, they are a destructive livestock. But they eat weeds that can be harmful to us when they grow uncontrolled. Over time, they clean up a piece of land like no other animal can do. And under the care of a good shepherd, their manure, I can't believe I'm talking about poop in a sermon, but here we are. Their manure is the best balanced of any livestock to be of enormous benefit to the soil. Their habit of seeking the highest ground on which to rest ensures that the richness of the lowland soil is redeposited, making the higher ground more productive as well. All that to say, we need to be spreading the goodness and unfailing love of God around. We need to leave something worthwhile and productive behind us, something beautiful. We are called to leave a blessing. So as we close, is that true of you? Do you leave a blessing behind you? Do you leave behind peace or anxiety, grace or judgment? 
joy or frustration, contentment or contention, love or anger? Do people smile when you come in the room or when you leave the room? If, if you think about it, that's actually how we measure spiritual growth. It isn't what you know about God that matters. It's how much of him you leave behind. It's how you love. That's really the measure of surrender. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Let's pray. Father, it is our deepest prayer that we would be the kind of people who live faithfully, seeking hard after more of your presence in your life, of, in our lives, more of your life-changing presence in us, leading us to be more surrendered, more surrendered each and every day. Father, may we be the kind of people who live our lives as worthy of being chased by the goodness of God. What a promise. And may we leave more and more of that goodness and unfailing love all around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Let me encourage you to download the discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Working through those questions on your own or with others will help the truth of God's Word begin to shape your life as you grow to be like Jesus. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen or you can call the church during the week. If you're just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. We counted a privilege to play a small part in God's perfect work in you today. The people who call Dayspring their home church make this ministry possible. Their faithful giving is proof of God's work in their lives, and they just want to pay it forward so you can experience the same life-changing presence of Jesus. For those of you who would like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen or mail a check to us at the address you'll find on our website. Until we meet again, I am praying that God would give you opportunities to use your influence for the glory of His kingdom. And one more thing. Thank you for liking and sharing and following Dayspring on whatever platform you connect with us. Thank you for rating us where that is appropriate. Even more, thank you for sharing our services with your friends and family. If this service was a blessing to you, it'll probably be a blessing to someone else too. God uses you to plant seeds in other people's lives. So keep sowing.